become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 19 of Macabre Misfortune. Wow. So Tracy, we're going to jump. That was dramatic. It was. <laughs> it was. Thanks. Uh, more traumatic than Oh dramatic, Lord. But... Well, that's not the thing I was going for. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey guys. <laughs> well, much like you're rapping, sometimes that's just the way it ends up. Hey, look. I, I agree 1000% with you on that. It's horrid. <laughs> We need to get back into that. I just said it's horrid. Yeah, that reminded me of how fun it was. <laughs> hey, if Jack Harlow can do it, I can do it. Yeah, don't don't try to put yourself in Jack Harlow's category. I don't even know who he... I mean, I don't know where the hell he even came from, so... He came from the Ville. He came from the Ville? Well, there you go. Enough said. Tracy, today we're going to discuss the deadliest structure failure in modern history... And I'm going to be willing to bet that most of the people listening have never heard of it. Really? Yep. Well, let's find out where it was. Well, you'll, you'll get to that point when I get to that point. Well, frig. That's not what I have up next. Frig a dig. Part of the reason that most people haven't heard of it is it happened in April of 2013. And just a week before this... The infamous Boston Marathon bombing happened oh, here no. in the U.S. That was horrible. So for uh, several weeks afterwards, that was the top the story. main story, yeah. So everything else kind of got overshadowed. And this happened the very week after. So everything was still fresh with the Boston Marathon bombing. So there you go. Now when I tell you the horrific details of this disaster, you're going to wonder why you've never heard of it, even with all the attention the Boston Marathon got. So let's start with a little background of where the tragedy took place. I know you've been anxiously awaiting. I wish you'd hurry the hell up. <laughs> it took place in Dhaka, which is the capital of Bangladesh. Most people, when they think Bangladesh, if they're our age, they think of George Harrison because George Harrison did the famous uh, concert for Bangladesh where mm -hmm. he had several uh, celebrities join him, and it was to raise money over there. Because very of, nice, you know. very nice. So that was that. I, me included, other than the concert for Bangladesh that George did, I'd never heard of Bangladesh, and just. What do you mean you never heard of Bangladesh? I had never heard of it outside of that concert. If George Harrison had not done that concert, I probably would not have. You know, it'd be no different than being Zimbabwe to me. Just oh, another that, country. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I've even heard of that place. Come on. You mean I got one up on you? Yeah. Anyway, it's important to know that in Dhaka, where this happened, there are over 20 million people. That's a butt ton. Just in that city. I told you that's not a measurement. It might be part of the metric system. I don't know. We don't use that here. Mm -hmm. A butt ton. Anyways. <laughs> Bangladesh is the hub of the garment industry. Mm -hmm. So... If you know of a major 
producer, whether it be Christian Dior, whether it be Calvin Klein, whether it be, you know, anybody else that's got a huge name in clothing, they probably have their stuff made in Bangladesh. No kidding. That's what they do. This is because they have the lowest wages in the entire world. And we'll talk about the wages a little bit later. If you have a huge clothing order that you need to get a very quick turnaround time and as cheap as possible, most would go to Bangladesh for the production. As you can imagine, this would result in several sweatshops in the country. That's not cool, though. No. With that being said, there are several horrific incidents involving these sweatshops on a regular basis. Mm. Just none of these magnitudes. I found several researching this that were 100 people killed here, 60 people killed there, because there are so many people crammed into these unsafe working conditions. Sometimes it's because of the heat. Sometimes it's because of structure collapses or something like we're having here. So, you know, it's just, it's crazy. None of them, though, hold a candle to the Rana Plaza building collapse. It was originally built, the Rana Plaza, was originally built to uh, just hold some shops and some offices. That's important because there's a big difference between a commercial property and an industrial property. Okay. Commercial properties are technically, like I said, you know, if you're going to have offices and stuff, what kind of equipment are you going to have in there? Copy machines? Mm-hmm. Computers? Right. Yeah. But if you've got an industrial, you're going to have heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. So the way the building is designed, it makes a big difference on whether it's commercial or industrial because it'll be designed to hold more, more weight. More weight. Yeah, okay? it makes sense. Well, like I said, this place was initially... Built to just have some some stores and some banks and stuff like that in it. It was four floors on its original. But they added four more floors. And they did it without any permits. They just what? did it. They did this to house the machines. These are the, not Legos, people. <laughs> yeah, for real. So they did this to house the machines of the several clothing factories that were then going to be moved in. Okay, so they put the heavy machines on top of the four floors. That's smart. They did. And not only that, they had a huge generator on the very top of the building that was designed to um, give enough energy and electricity for the entire building. That's how big this generator was. So... The factories here manufactured goods for companies like Prada, Gucci, and Versace. Think about the names that are there and what they charge for their clothes. Oh, my Lord, yes. And they're it's in ridiculous. this place getting their stuff done for next to nothing. Yeah. Mm-mm. Shame on them. I, I'll, I'll mention this later in the show, but the average person working here, keep in mind, this is only like, what did I say, 2013? Mm-hmm. It's not that long ago. The average person made $50 a month, U.S. dollars. Oh, no. $50 a month. Now, cost of living and stuff over there is way less, but it's not that, that much less. No. So that's what that's the average shameful. person was making, working for these companies that are charging huge markups on their on their clothing. All right. That's why I shop at Walmart. and get my daggone purses for like 10 bucks. The purse I just got you wasn't 10 bucks. It wasn't? No. Okay, cool. Overall, <laughs> overall, there were 5,000 people employed in this building, which, like I said, is, Damn, now, that's a lot. Which is now eight stories. 
They had no clue that they were working in a top-heavy death trap. I mean, that only makes sense. I mean, that only makes sense. Right. What is wrong with these people? They just didn't care, I guess? Or? Well, I mean, it's just like anything else. It's just about, it ain't about safety. It's about how cheap we can do something, whether it's building onto the, um, the existing structure or whatever the case is. So on April 23rd, 2013, employees noticed that there were some cracks in the walls and the ceilings. They made some complaints. The building was evacuated, but the building's owner declared that the building was safe for at least another hundred years. I don't know how they made that determination. Supposedly they brought some engineers in and looked at it, but they said it was safe for another hundred years, and they advised the workers to return to work the following day. Not everyone complied with this, though. Good for them. The bank and the shops on the lower floors all refused, and they remained closed the next day. But the garment factories were threatened to lose their job and to dock their pay if they did not come to work. Most of these people were extremely poor, and they had families they couldn't afford for their pay to be docked or to lose their jobs. So they come to work, and just before 9 a.m. that following morning, the entire structure collapsed and disintegrated into a pile of rubble. My God. One eyewitness compared it to a one-building earthquake. There were more than 3,500 people in the building at the time of the collapse. This included garment workers, support staff, and children that were in the company in-office nurseries. Some died instantly, while thousands were literally entombed in the rubble. Now, the government's reaction to all this was mixed. Apparently, at least then, that they had a very corrupt government. That's what I was told. I can't say that for sure, but from whatever, what I was reading, the government was kind of corrupt back then. So the local emergency services, they responded the best that they could. They rescued hundreds from the, from the wreckage, and the government declared a national day of mourning on April 25th. But there was also a sad case of politics raising its ugly head. And I say this because the UN offered to help with this catastrophe. But the officers in charge uh, refused to help. They rejected it. The Bangladesh officials did. Because they didn't want negative international exposure. They didn't want people to know that how bad the sweatshops were and stuff over there and how this could happen and how people were able to build four stories onto a building without permits and all that. Without yeah. catching them. That's very sad. So the workers that were volunteers, they slowly dragged on because they were ill-equipped to handle the disaster that was in front of them. And they also had no leadership. So, I mean, it was like you just had a bunch of volunteers pitching in to do it. Mm -hmm. There was not a constructed uh, effort with a plan involved. I wish you could see some of the video. I'll I'll urge people to go look up some of the video. There's a lot of good video. I mean, you'll literally see like sheets uh, that somebody has stretched out for somebody to kind of like use as a slide to to get from one part of the building to the other. I mean, that's the kind of stuff they're working. It was so primitive. 
I mean, it was like it's like trying to dig a swimming pool with a spoon. Mm. But that's what what they were doing. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. In fact, survivor Rashima Bajin was not pulled out of the rubble. She was the last survivor found until 17 days after the building's collapse. 17 days. Bless her heart. This tragedy lives on in the mind of the Bangladesh people and a couple of international watchdog organizations, even though it has gotten little attention elsewhere. That's unbelievable. So many lives lost like that. Garment workers in Bangladesh have protested substandard safety practices and low wages. Some of the protests were violently responded to, though. So, Mm. it's just another thing with the the government over there. They weren't real happy because this is how the government makes their money, is by offering all this cheap, you know, labor and stuff. So, they don't want to rock that boat if they didn't have to. The owner of the building, Sohel Rana, is still awaiting judgment on multiple charges of murder. To this day? Yeah, that was nine years ago. He's still waiting. I was, I'm under the impression he got six months in jail for the permit problem, for not having permits. And then he got out of jail on that. And now he's still waiting to be charged for murders. Wow. All right, so you might have noticed that I haven't given out any numbers of deaths yet. Because the number is so shocking that I held on to it until a little later in the story. In the collapse, 1,132 people were killed with over 2,500 facing major injuries. A few other notable facts on this. Over 85% of the workers in the building were women. And as I mentioned earlier, they made an average of $50 a month to support their families. I want to discuss a few other details that workers experienced before the collapse. So I mentioned that they saw some cracks and stuff the day before. So now they're back in the building. Early in the workday, the power on the building cut off. The cracks started to widen and chunks of the ceiling started to fall on the workers that were sewing and buttoning and fastening clothes. This is because when the electricity cut off, the generator upstairs, that giant generator, it kicked back on. But they said when it did, it started this major vibrations all throughout the building. And they believe that this vibrations from this generator is what kind of started what was already an issue. Yeah. It took less than 90 seconds for the eight-story building to completely collapse. Unreal. Pictures and videos from the aftermath, like I said, are very disturbing, and I would advise people to go look it up if you're interested. People were trapped under chunks of concrete, in some cases, for weeks. Survivors lost limbs, slipped into comas, had severe psychological trauma, and to this day, some required daily medical attention. Rescue workers spent two and a half weeks looking for survivors. Some of them lost their own lives as well as they attempted to save garment workers that were trapped in the rubble. So what was the actual cause of the collapse? 
There was actually a number of either engineer or administrative failures here. Experts have said that the disaster was entirely preventable. As we mentioned earlier, part of the buildings, uh, part of the building was constructed without permits. That was one of the major problems. The fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth floor were all added without supporting walls. <sighs> the, the heavy equipment from the factory was more weight than the building could handle. The foundation was also weak because it was built on swampland. As the cracks deepened, the building was destined to cave in. So those are the physical reasons. The owner of the garment factory's failure to respond to the known dangers is what caused the death and injuries to most of those people. Garment factory workers were made aware of the same risk as the banks and the shops on the lower floors, but as they decided not to go in, the garment factory workers made their people show up for work, even though they knew the risks. That's just awful. Unfortunately, their interest is in filling orders more than the safety of their employees. So after the event, global organizations took action to create safety working standards in the garment industry. The UN International Labor Rights and then the Human Rights Watch are two of the organizations that decided to uh, have some advanced policies that protect workers and enhance worker conditions that advocate uh, employees in mm -hmm. the wake of the Rana Plaza disaster. So, so he went to making the workers come in to having no workers at all yep. and no building and all that. What a jerk face. That's just, that's awful. That's an awful, awful story. It's terrible. This will be the first that we've done this. But, you know, I always give you a screwed up fact. Mm -hmm. Our screwed up fact today actually comes from this story. This will, if you, if... If you really think about it, it'll grab you by the heartstrings. Some of the people trapped grabbed an ink pen and they wrote their names and addresses on their hands and their arms so that relatives would be able to identify them. Oh, my Lord. <sighs> and another fact that you're not going to believe the workers who survived. I just don't know how anybody survived. They've never been compensated. <laughs> and it's under the, it's uh, from what I've read, $25 million would have been enough to take care of everybody. Because keep in mind, cost of living is extremely low in there. $25 million would have taken care of everybody. And the companies that had shops over there like Versace, like Prada, they could have all pitched in at $25 million. It's not a drop in a bucket. They could have taken care of And they didn't do it. No. So remember that as you're buying high-priced clothing, that even though a disaster happened while making their stuff, they didn't, not even out of the goodness of their heart, would pony up the money to make up for the disaster of these people's lives. I'm very sad now. Can you imagine, though, you're trapped, you're pretty much sure you're going to die, and you find an ink pen 
and just write your name so your family at least knows some kind of closure. I don't know what to say. It's but heartbreaking. Eleven, a little over eleven hundred people have died, and I'd never heard about that before. No, never. So, anyways, I thought it would be nice just to get the victims a little bit of recognition about what they dealt with and mm-hmm. why they dealt with it. That's that's. I don't know. So, all right, guys. We'll end on that sad note. We love you, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.